1: Our guest today makes it her practice to hike into an ancient redwood forest on a regular basis. She writes, Sometimes trees speak in silence, in peace, in deep relaxation that becomes communion. Sometimes trees speak in soft whispers, in opening hearts, in waves of well-being and joy. Sometimes trees speak through rivers of wind caressing needles and leaves, sending messages through the atmosphere to the stars, and cascading down to nourish mycelium-clad roots. Sometimes trees speak in sensations, knowing, even vision. And then we may wonder where the tree leaves off and we begin where the human and tree become one breath of life. This will be our subject today as we listen to what trees have to teach us with our guest, Ellen D. Davidson. After graduating from the University of California, Santa Cruz, Ellen D. Davidson has worked as an elementary school teacher, taught creative writing and piano. She's not a PhD professor of forest ecology or like Suzanne Simard, a best-selling author of Finding the Mother Tree. Ellen is someone who regularly runs off to the woods and listens to trees, bringing their message back to us. She has raised two daughters and lives in the redwoods of Humboldt County, In Northern California with her husband Steve and a dog named Badger. She's the author of many magazine articles and several books for children and young adults as well as the book Wild Path to the Sacred Heart which is described as an adult forest bathing memoir. Join us for the next hour as we explore what it means to be in conversation with trees with our guest Ellen D. Davidson. I'm speaking with Ellen from her home by Remote Connection. I'm Justine Willis Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Ellen, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thank you for joining us. And as I said in the introduction, you spend time and continue to spend many hours in this wild uh, pristine ancient redwood forest and one might call it in i think you do call it forest bathing so wh- what is forest bathing
2: when i began this odyssey of running off to the woods i had never heard the term i just had some free time some freedom in my life and was practicing listening to myself and what i might want to do and it kept being go, go to the woods so i went to the woods and was having all these experiences and about 6 years into it the japanese came out with all this information about shinrin yoku which is forest bathing and all the incredible health benefits, including mood boosting and lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, um, increasing T cells in the immune system. And for me, that was remarkable because I kind of felt like I was being a little self-indulgent, getting to do this amazing thing that I really wanted to do, but I didn't really feel was serving the collective, all of us. And the trees had been telling me they were healing me. They'd been showing me that they were balancing my hormones and things like that. But I only half believed it. First of all, at that point in time, I'd never heard the idea that um, Diana Beresford Kroger talks about and to speak for the trees of trees being sentient beings. That hadn't even occurred to me that they could be, and yet I was having all these relationship experiences that felt like I was in relationship with sentient beings. But I'm imaginative, I write children's fantasy, and so for me there's a continuum of consciousness between hard science where we've done double blinds and we've really observed so carefully we're pretty sure this is reality. And complete imagination. And in between those states of consciousness, it turned out so much of what the trees told me or conveyed to me, and they didn't usually speak in words. Um, but so much of what was conveyed has now turned into real hard science, which I find amazing
1: that's true. and we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. But first of all, what I love for you to do, is to take us for a walk in your forest. What does the ground, if you maybe have us take off our shoes and, and tell us what does the ground feel like and what are our ears hearing and what are we seeing? So take us for a walk, if you would, Ellen. Happily. Imagine
2: you're barefoot on such soft, dust. It's russet and golden-colored, a little bit moist from the winter rains now, and it's so soft. You can walk comfortably in your bare feet down the trail. As you walk, the scents, the fragrances are so delicious, earthy, and almost like the scent of cedar, occasional floral scents. The trilliums are in bloom. So pure, they're white with three petals and yellow centers, and they have the most delicate fragrance. The birds, the winter wrens are just coming back and they sing melodiously. It sounds like a bird symphony. And there's room for all the bird voices. There's the raucous cause of the crows, an occasional coo of the doves the elaborate melodies of the wrens, the varied thrush. Every once in a while, we're so lucky, we hear the high, hear, of a marmot muralette. And I marvel because all the voices, all the voices of the forest, the birds, the croaking of the frogs, the splashing of the jumping fish when that's the season The rustle of the leaves and the breeze come together in sort of a symphony of life. There's the caress of the breeze on our skin. It's so sensual. And I think I wrote in my book, one of my favorite things I've ever written was the glory of nature's art is the full sensual immersion And I think so often about the truth of that. It's so magnificent visually, the way the light shafts through the trees, looking up and up and up. And looks like um, rays coming down from heaven. And it even tastes good. We might pick some wild sorrel, which is supposed to be anti-carcinogenic, maybe because of the vitamin C. And have that sharp, pungent flavor burst in our mouths. The whole thing is glorious.
1: Oh, wow. Thank you so much. That image, and you took us, you did, you really conveyed the forest as you experience it. And hopefully that some of us have it sometime or another experienced in our life so it was maybe hopefully easy to join you on that walk that forest is like entering a cathedral uh, mm-hmm. of a natural cathedral and the light coming down the shaft of light and the the sounds that we can hear above the roar of traffic that we're not normally hearing well you know when we're living in a community or a city or something it's so full of sounds we're not picking up those those precious natural sounds of of the birds of the frogs or or the splashing of the water so thank you so much for giving us that opportunity and um ellen i want to say what i believe about you in reading your work and getting to know you a bit in that way is that you really, one of your gifts is to be a highly sensitive person so that, that you in, taking yourself to this quiet place in the uh, postmodern w- way of talking about quiet because a forest certainly isn't quiet but but in taking yourself there you're able to tune in and receive messages and as you've learned to do just to be to be more and more quiet and to actually be able to receive messages from the trees themselves. Sometimes you'll you'll sit at the base of certain trees and you even give given certain trees names and you you know <laughs> the winter tree and the summer tree and the grandmother dragon tree, you know, uh you so you have certain trees. So tell us about um how these trees are Kind of antennas to to communicate and bring these messages. Tell us a bit about that,
2: okay. First, I'd like to say, I do think this is a human capacity, and it is all of our birthright, and that because things have gotten so loud and sometimes so stinky, and so our senses are constantly bombarded. So part of my odyssey going to the forest was that it opened up my perceptions and, um, the sounds were delightful. So I started listening more and, um, ditto for all the other sense perceptions. And then it really started opening up um, more subtle senses that I also believe are all of our human capacity, but that we've actually kind of had to deaden ourselves down to cope with how mechanized our world is now.
1: And so I, I, I'm going to interrupt you for just a moment because I want you to really delve into that more deeply, but I want to remind our listeners I'm here with Ellen D. Davidson, and she is the author of Wild Path to the Sacred Heart. And if you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, Ellen D. Davidson, D is spelled D-E-E, ellenddavidson.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine willis toms You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Ellen D. Davidson, and we're talking about the capacity we all have. You're describing to us when you enter that forest, your senses become more attuned, because please just tell us, now, I don't know about the because there is, you're, you're the experiencer here
2: well because they're not bombarded with noise and bright lights and and a lot of artificial um, situations exhaust fumes so everything's so delightful the other factor that opens our capacity here is slowing down because there's such a peace in an ancient old growth forest that's been here for millions of years with trees that might be thousands of years old. They're vibrating. I don't know if it's vibration, electromagnetic, I haven't figured that out, but they're at a different pace. And because of resonance our nervous system, our our fluid body, we tend to go into resonance if we let ourselves be quiet in the forest. And in that quietness, Subtle perceptions open up, and that's when I would find myself sitting, I usually sit with my back to the trees, and I find that very heart-opening. Diana Beresford Kroger, in her book, To Speak for the Trees, I think it's that book, she's written a number, talks about how trees are communicating through scent, but also through inaudible sounds, sound frequencies too subtle for our human ears to hear. And yet I do think they're perceptible on some way. Just as our bodies receive trillions of bits of information that never makes it to our consciousness, and that is proven, I think we're receiving sound frequencies that we don't actually hear. And in fact, one of the first things that started to happen to me in the forest was I started hearing a humming. And it wasn't something I was hearing with my physical ears. But when I would sit and become quiet and become present and peaceful, there was this hum. And the hum kind of would expand me and open me up. And so when I talk about receiving messages from the trees. Usually I was in that kind of a hypnagogic state, the same state we often find ourselves in between sleeping and waking. It's a very receptive, open state. And how the messages sometimes would come would be, I would think thoughts as almost as if they were mine or have an image of vision, but they would happen over and over and in the forest and nowhere else, really, except maybe sometimes in my dreams with grandmother dragon tree, which is a whole nother story. But one of the images that kept coming to me for years, and this was before I knew trees were sentient, I kept seeing the world, the earth's forests restored and living green and forests connected with other forests through corridors of life. And I now think that those were the trees dreaming through me of what they want. Happily, I do have, my book hasn't been widely read. I'm not famous. Nobody knows about me. But I was read by a young woman who went to Harvard and majored in environmental engineering. And she liked that image so much that she
1: um, gained some grants and is doing it. Oh, that (laughs) thrilled me. (laughs) <laughs> that is so wonderful. That is so wonderful. And I'm I'm thinking, too, that as you're talking about being in this very receptive place, you're describing being in this forest and your back is to the tree. There's a moment, Ellen, I believe, and you describe this in your writing, that you're without... Pressure of the judgments of others or to be a certain way. In fact, you have talked about how you have lived your life in some ways as a chameleon that just always pleasing others or adjusting who you are according to how they're viewing you and fitting into their view and all of that. But all of that is just has through the years just disappeared when you go into the forest. Uh, Any comment you might have on that? I
2: think um, a lot of empathic people tend to do that, and people who want to please other people. We become really good at um, sort of intuiting what the other person wants, and then presenting the facet of ourself that matches them. It's not a complete lie. It's just not coming from our authentic core. But being in a forest, and I went a lot alone, not always, but a lot. Being in a forest alone, no one was watching me. No one was expecting anything out of me. And so in in an odd way, I got to find out who I was. I had never known, (laughs) right? I thought I was all these other things, but I wasn't.
1: Exactly. So you get to, down to your core core being in, in some ways. And when you talk about having your back against a tree, I, I know the, another thing that you talk about is that different trees have different personalities. Can you reveal that to us?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, how my... My odyssey began two ways. First, the old growth redwood in my backyard uh, reached out to me in my dreams literally 30 years ago for years coming in and teaching me. Only I didn't think a tree could teach you anything. So I interpreted the dreams as the tree must have been part of me and did the whole young man and his symbols thing on my dreams. And then when I reached this point in my life where i had more freedom unexpected gracious freedom and i ran to the woods the first thing that happened is i was hiking with my friend and we sat down for lunch this friend was a really serious tibetan buddhist meditator and she'd introduced me to that and she said why don't we meditate here We sat at this tree, which I later named Summer Tree, because it's hard to get there any other time of year. And I heard a voice in my head. This is one of the few times that happened. And it said, come back. And it was so literal that we came out of the meditation. And I asked my friend, did you tell me to come back? No, no, she hadn't told me to come back. Did you hear someone say come back? No, no, she hadn't. We went back in to meditate again. I heard it again. So I thought, oh, maybe it's the tree. How could that be? Okay, well, I'll come back. I thought I was going to come back once. I think it's 15 years later. (laughs) I am still coming back. (laughs) And, And that was the beginning. Usually, I don't hear it like a tree talking in my head. Usually, it's much more subtle. It's a different quality of ideas, images, visions, sensations than I normally get. Because there's a relationship. I'm not just me. I'm me and tree. And tree is not just tree. Tree is forest. The forests are multidimensional organisms. And they are connecting on many levels. And so what they also do is sort of act as portals into our own multi-dimensional beings.
1: I'm just thinking too when you say that trees are rooted they yeah. they're they're stationary so to speak. Right. But they you're talking about multi-dimensional. I mean they are connected they are they're not an individual they're they're Mm -hmm. communal in the best sense of that word and so they're they're traveling around with messages back and forth so describe that that eco-culture when i was getting this information from the trees the first time i
2: got it was you know 28 years ago grandmother dragon tree was teaching me and she was giving me dreams about Fungi and mushrooms. I totally didn't understand what I was seeing until I came across the science of Suzanne Samard which is so profound, actually proving that through the mycorrhizal fungi at their roots, trees um, communicate what nutrients they need and what nutrients the other trees need. They can even warn each other of danger. There's a, a famous study about I think it's a Douglas fir uh, uh, that was attacked by pests. Warning the nearby, I think it's a pine. I might have that wrong, but but through the fungi, and then the tree made the appropriate enzymes to protect against those pests. It's quite a communication system and there's another author i'm just in love with right now sophie strand the flowering wand and she said we know where a forest keeps its brain in its roots but yet and this isn't science yet so that part's science the part that's not science yet that the trees have been conveying to me is that they also communicate through the atmosphere they're 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 in conversation actually with the with the stars and with the air that goes around the planet so that they can communicate with forests on other parts of the globe. I don't know if this is true. We need some scientists to prove it, but that's what the images that are coming to me now are showing. And so much of the ones that came to me before have been proven that I no longer discount them.
1: That's so wonderful to hear because I've done several interviews recently all about the information and how we are part of the whole star stars and we're born of stars and I'm thinking also you have this wonderful story in your book of they did some science and I'm not sure if it was I think the dung beetle I'm not sure which beetle tell us about that
2: um I have to remember what I wrote. I don't go back and read my own stuff. Of but course, of course we, you don't. I think the study was done in Sweden. And they put these little hats on these dung beetles. And these are the beetles that roll little balls of excrement around. And I think that's how they, um, uh, where they put their eggs or something or their eggs. But anyway, these beetles, they put hats on them. And
1: the beetles got c- totally confused. We're walking Because and- we're going to have to back up a little bit. These beetles—they were proving that these beetles actually navigate where, what direction to go by the stars is how right. they're navigating where to go. Right. And so they the Milky
2: put, Way. So, the so milky when they couldn't perceive the stars because of these hats,
1: then the beetles were confused and lost. Isn't they just it? traveled just around in circles and couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, I just i I thought that that was really wonderful about how i I agree with you, and I think others, maybe uh Brian Swim, the cosmologist, might also agree with you to say, yeah, it's not far-fetched to think that we're getting information from the stars as well as the Earth, which I want to talk about in just one moment. I'm here with Ellen D. Davidson, and she is the author of many books, wonderful children's books and young adult books, and and her newest book for all of us is Wild Path to the Sacred Heart. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. here with Ellen D. Davidson, and we're talking about trees talking, and the information we get from the heavens, from the stars, but also there's something that you, Ellen, describe that I've never quite heard in this way, and this has to do with how we belong to the earth, and how the Earth holds us, Mother Earth actually holds us. We call it gravity, but but we're being held by Mother Earth and, and nourished by Mother Earth. Is there any any comment you would have on that? Um, it feels blissful
2: when we tune into that, and it's a way to deeply relax our nervous system especially the parasympathetic nervous system and I encourage people in whatever ecosystem we each live the earth can do this it doesn't have to be a forest if you live in the desert or any body of water they've done studies blue spaces is good for people's health as forest bathing so whatever we have access to, we can connect and let ourselves relax so deeply, maybe lie down on the ground in the grass or sit comfortably, but allow that feeling of support and comfort and being held in. Because we do have belonging here. We belong to the earth.
1: Well, we're made of earth, we're nourished, we're breathing her air every day, I mean, every moment, and we're tasting her waters that are circulating around every place. So we're truly, truly held. I would like to also talk about some of the things you have, I don't know if you've seen elves or fairies or whatever it is. I mean, I I just I'm just delighted by the fact that I maybe these things, these entities, these energies actually exist. And I know that you mentioned in the book that mythology from cultures all over the world come up with these same images. And and I think that you mention in the book that maybe it's because Mostly, the way people have lived for thousands of years, much more closer to the earth and nature, so the perception is is different than it is now for us. So, I would love for you to say something about the elementals or the fairies or the elves. <laughs> are are they real? Please tell tell me they're real. <laughs> yes. Oh
2: <laughs> Well, uh, recently, to prepare for this interview, I went to the woods several days in a row and just immersed myself. And there are fallen trees right now um, because of this winter we've had. And so I had to crawl through fallen rhododendrons on this trail quite a lot. And so I was on my belly on the earth. And I could smell the mulchy soil and the trilliums were right up in my face. And there was a sense so vivid and visceral of these nature spirits, these elemental energies. I wasn't seeing fairies per se. I mean, I'm imaginative, so I can imagine that pretty easily. But sometimes I see really bright little lights dancing in the forest. but. This was more like the sense of the exuberant creative joy of the elementals coming together to create thriving green life. And what I will say is water has consciousness. Air has consciousness. Earth has consciousness. Rocks and stones, you can feel it. Trees have consciousness. The light has consciousness, and we can tune into their consciousness. When they come together, as they do on our beautiful, precious planet, when they come together, there is an exuberant creative joy that is so full of vitality and so perceptible and so alive and so conscious that it sparks, we're made of elements too, we're elemental, it sparks that elemental joy within us and then we're right there. You know how all the fairy tales have them dancing by the moonlight and singing and this, this. well, we're right there with them in that um, magical space. So yes, it absolutely exists and I don't think there's, a a limit to perception i'm probably scratching the surface of what can be perceived
1: you know i'm thinking ellen um since i've been immersed in your work to prepare for our conversation today i have this plant it's a maidenhair fern and it's in a pot it's in a very decorative beautifully painted pot And I must say, like, since we've been having a lot of chill in the mornings, I brought it off of my deck and brought it to my office so that it's more protected from the chill. So it's in a window, so it gets the light and everything, and it seems to be happy there. But I must admit, I forgot to water it. I've done this twice now, and recently I forgot to water it and it just died back. It just died. Mm -hmm. And it's just Mm -hmm. these sticks sticking up. But I kept watering it even so. And within, honestly, within weeks, all the greenery started to come up again, and now it's getting quite full again. And so since delving into your book... And your work, I um, have been, because maidenhair, for me, is an ancestral plant. My great-grandmother gave it to my grandmother, and my grandmother then gave it to one of her daughters. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping to get a cutting from that one, but I, I didn't. So I went out and got uh, bought a new plant. But I consider it an ancestral plant.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I'm thinking of it that way. And every time I walk into my office, I talk to it. I even pet it. I even (laughs) gently just put my hand on it and I say, good morning. And I say, I love you. And I'm watching it every single day, just just grow in in health and vitality, it is amazing. So we don't have to go all the way out to Humboldt yeah. County in Northern California and go to these ancient redwoods. This is available to us where we live, too. Am I correct in assuming oh, that? Oh,
2: absolutely. It's a point I want to make because we need to make relationships with mother earth wherever we are and all of us are in relationship whether we're conscious of that or not we're all drinking water we're all breathing air and we can all have i mean anyone who has a home can have a house plant and have a relationship there and there have been so many studies now uh, the secret life of plants was that this talking to plants you're saying makes a huge difference they are aware of us. In fact, I think the plants on the planet have been here for so much longer than we have. I think it's, is it 400 million years compared for trees compared to a couple million for us? There are elders. I now um, think that they're very aware of us in ways that we don't even know yet. And so I'm sure your fern is responding to your love. And also I wanted to say your fern is ancestral because I think I'm not sure about this, but, but an idea that keeps coming to me from the trees is they're connected on a holographic level on another dimension that transcends individuality. I hope that made sense. But anyway, so your maiden hair is totally connected to the ancestral plant. The specific plant has all of those memories, codes, genetic information. I don't. I'm not a scientist, so I don't know how they do it.
1: <laughs> but I I agree with you. I think that they are connected. And uh, I've done many interviews that really talk about that. Uh, not specifically with plants, but why not with plants and. Before we started this interview, I was mentioning to you something uh, that I was preparing for for a different interview. And this is on AI, on um, artificial intelligence. And you just said something magnificent. Uh, I'd love for you to repeat that about what is your thought about the crossroads we may be at at this time?
2: Well, it was so interesting when you brought up uh, thinking about AI because I had just been thinking about AI when I went to the woods to prepare for this interview, and it did not seem related. And I wondered why. But what I had been seeing in my mind's eye was humanity, in a way, kind of at a crossroads. And one direction we reforest, we regreen, we carefully, thoughtfully, depending on each ecosystem, but we create a world where we can have these connections with wild nature that are I made up a quote of my own about wild nature when I was out there wild nature is the refreshment of the ages for the wearied and heartsick. so that came to me when I was out there and I was seeing how we could make more wildness available more parks in cities more open places so that we can all have this. I also saw that as we ha- are creating a world that's increasingly less habitable with water you can't drink, air you can't breathe, uh, toxic and polluted ground and plastics and chemicals and radioactivity, as that frightful world has been coming into manifestation, I saw a potential that I don't particularly like that we would. Turn ourselves into sort of AI hybrids, so that we could survive in an environment that's not inhabitable for humans and most other species. I hope that doesn't happen. It's like the science fiction horror stories I was reading as a teenager, but it did seem with the new developments in AI, like it's not completely impossible anymore.
1: Well, exactly. I I agree with you that that we seem to be at a crossroads and I would I want to delve into this topic with with others so that I understand it and the, the the cautions that I personally feel about it and about the choices we're making so I'm really glad for that that you've delved into that I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Ellen D Davidson and she's the author of Wild Path to the sacred heart. And if you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, Ellen D. Davidson, and she spells D-D-E-E, Ellen D. Davidson.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. here with Ellen D Davidson and we're talking about trees and forests and organic life really and I'm wondering as you went into the forest before the interview did you get any message about this interview from from the forest before or any preparation that before
2: well actually I did because one thing that happened was, because there were so many down trees. Mostly it was the rhododendrons and the Douglas fir and alders from the storms, occasionally a redwood. But I literally had to crawl through the trees on my belly at least a dozen times for stretches. And I was aware that the times we're in are full of obstacles for humanity now we're we're in a little bit of a rough stretch as we hopefully are versing a, a golden age as some people see it. Pluto just went into Aquarius. <laughs> so there's some new age lore. But um, I was aware that there will be these obstacles collectively for all of us. And while I was crawling on my belly, and you know, I'm not Spring chicken, so it's not my favorite thing, but (laughs) but trying not to hurt my knees or wrench my shoulder or whatever, I was aware that I still could slow down and enjoy myself. It smelled delicious, the trilliums were beautiful, the birds were still singing. And I thought, for all of us, there's a way where we can stay grateful, present in the moment for all the beauty that is. We're still here. This beauty still exists. We still have butterflies and bees and trees and we can enjoy every moment of being on this amazing planet. I mean this biosphere that took eons to create is utterly it's unimaginable. It's humorous. I mean who would invent zebras and octopus, you know? And it's it's gorgeous. The beauty is beyond beyond it's mind-boggling and so even though we're going to have to navigate um times that are, might be challenging it, and then there's clear stretches sometimes I get on the path and I'd be just cruising along and so we'll also have times where things are a little bit more stabilized again so I I wanted to say the message that came through was to gratefully enjoy the gift of our lives
1: I love that. I love that. I mean, I know that we all want to contribute in a positive way to the betterment of the planet and to to be of help in some way. We really do. And I know all the listeners of New Dimensions really, really are working toward that. So what I'm hearing you say in the message you're receiving is that we take time To enjoy the moment and I am thinking of um, the words of William McDonough who is an anticipatory design architect and we've interviewed him many times and I I tell this story and pardon my listeners if I tell it again but uh, Michael and I my late partner Michael Toms and I were sitting on his front porch and we were talking about the work of Bucky Fuller And Michael said, form follows function. And Bill said, yes, form follows function and function follows evolution and evolution follows celebration. Mm. And then he says, it's not about survival of the fittest. It's the true evolutionary winners are the, those who celebrate the most because, and he ended his little (laughs) so nature is all about fierce celebration. And so that's what you're saying here is to remind us to celebrate our lives, to celebrate what is available right here, right now, as we worry about the future or we're stressed about the future. And I'm also thinking of the connection, Ellen, between Right now, in coming into spring in 2023, right now, and in Northern California, we have just had been coming out of a drought, terrible, terrible drought. And now it's just rained and rained and rained. And so that's good in one way. But then the winds came up recently. I mean huge winds and trees are falling over. And in that falling over, we can be very sad about that that but there's something that happens in a fallen tree if we just let it be. So describe what a fallen tree does in of the forest. Well,
2: they're very much still part of the system. And I did have this um Buddhist Lama tell me once that a fallen tree is still foresting. That's how she put it. Um, thank you, uh, Lama Chuyang. So what's happening? Those fallen redwoods can take 300 years to decompose. While they're decomposing and nourishing the forest floor, their habitat for all kinds of insects and um, uh birds and you know all the life and the moss grows out of her trunk and the ferns and the fronds and because forests are a whole system and i did want to backtrack you said something about um uh, the evolution of being about cooperation and and peter Walburn in his book the hidden life of trees is talking about how we used to view trees as individuals and they're not. They're a whole forest and their survival depends on being together as a whole forest. Even for the big, sturdy, strong old trees, if they get sick or have a problem, the younger trees will support them and nourish them. Mm. And forests will keep old stumps alive, sometimes for hundreds of years, which also mystifies me. I wonder if maybe there's Information they need from these elders who are just beaten down to stumps now. But that's you know, but they keep them alive. So the fallen trees are still part of the whole. And I always think everything's metaphoric. Everything is multidimensional on all dimensions. So my worldview is that when we leave our human bodies, we're morphing. We're constantly changing forms just like nature does nothing's ever really lost it just changes forms even when something's eaten well now it's part of the thing that ate it you know or or the creature that ate it and so that level of oneness we're all morphing into each other all the time exactly
1: that just reminds me when you say the the stump i'm thinking of the the trees then that form a circle that start to grow, the new little saplings become like this circle of trees. And that just takes me to an idea that you have had that you have come to when you realize that there are all sorts of, especially women's circles that are happening all over the earth that, that have to do with the trees and helping the trees and you've started us a circle of your own and I'd love for you to encourage us to do this kind of work to join with others and start our own circle. So any comments you'd have on this, i just so deeply appreciate.
2: My circle went on hold for COVID because we had have- My husband was high risk and we couldn't meet in person. And I was in a second Tree Sisters circle that was online and that's continuing on. But Tree Sisters actually isn't officially doing circles anymore, which kind of breaks my heart because I really think the restoration of human beings, of people, has to go hand in hand with the restoration of our world. We we didn't get so out of balance. All of us come from indigenous people who had close um, organic relationships with the earth that were in balance, that were sustainable. We didn't get to this point without becoming out of balance ourselves. So we're coming from a lot of trauma, almost everyone. And circles are a way to heal that. And to have belonging and authenticity. It's a place to be safe enough to allow what's really true for each person to come up and be shared and witnessed. And it's amazing how often traumas will sort of dissolve when they're heard, when we deeply listen
1: to each other. So that's just as important as listening to the earth. I just so concur with what you're saying. And it just made me write something that also supports this whole idea that the the, what we're doing in this circle work and we don't need to to understand ritual we don't need to say i don't know how to do this all you do is just call two or three people together and just let it grow organically and you don't need a lot of people to do it you know Mm -hmm. uh, my women's circle has been meeting for over 45 years together and there are seven of us so uh, but it, what happens, there's such powerful magic when we come together where we, we're listening to one another deeply and, and it's not a therapy circle, but it, we're just listening and providing safety and comfort together. And as we're sistering and brothering with each other, um we're we're looking, we're holding each other in beauty. And, and in goodness, and, and that really empowers us as we witness one another in the full genius of who we are. Oh, goodness, we've run out of time. I am so <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry I got on my soapbox, but thank you so much. No, I love that. Thank you so much, <laughs> Ellen, for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. <laughs> yes, mine too. I've been speaking with Ellen D. Davidson, the author of Wild Path to the Sacred Heart. And as I said, her website is Ellen D. Davidson, D is in D-E-E, Ellen D E E, Davidson.com. If you want to know more about her work, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3,787.
0: New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine willis toms Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. For over four decades, New Dimensions has been producing weekly conversations at the leading edge. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions, as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions.